Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning uh, on this Thursday, the 1st of July. If you missed hour one, I encourage you to listen to it later at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. Appreciate it if you'd share the show with someone new. Um, Calling us to prayer this morning, the the band Casting Crowns has been now urging us for um, the better part of the week to pray for their former drummer, Andy Williams, um, who was severe, severely injured um, over the weekend. He was um, struck while riding his motorcycle to church on Sunday morning, um, and uh, he was resuscitated at the scene. He continues in the hospital. He sustained uh, what are described as severe trauma to his body and his brain. He is alive, but he needs many prayers. The band um, posted on their uh, Facebook page this past Sunday. Um, and our, our most current update is the, from his church, Grace Chapel in Fairview, Tennessee, um, posting not only that uh, they met to have a prayer vigil last night at a local park, um, but that Andy's wife, Kelly, um, was sharing that um, that Andy is awake. So we are thankful for that. We're thankful for that, um, but we we want to continue uh, alongside our brothers and sisters in Christ in praying for this brother. Uh, I am mindful that there are those who say, well, all I can do is pray. Um, that is a lot, right? When we pray, we are accessing the the very power of God, which is like an unimaginable thing to claim. Like it's unimaginable to claim that because we know Jesus and because we are in Christ and because Christ says that we should pray for the desires of our hearts and um, things we should ask in his name, prayed for collectively among us, like, right, those prayers are not only heard, but they're answered. Now, they're not always answered in the time or in the way that we expect, but we are assured that the prayers are heard and they are answered. God responds. That is extraordinary. It's extraordinary to claim that we are able to speak to God in any moment, even in this moment. Oh, God, our God, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See us. Know what's going on in, in us and around us. Be with us in the challenges that we face today. Equip and empower us to be the people of God in the midst of this day, in this place, in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. Let us be your people in these days and in these times. Bring healing. Reveal yourself. Redeem. Like, we know that all of those prayers are consistent with the will of God. We know they are because they're consistent with who he is 
as the father of all. And so don't be afraid to pray today big prayers, prayers that, um, you know, obviously only God could accomplish. And then don't think too little of your own prayers. If all you can do is pray, (laughs) that's sufficient and that's enough because that's a lot. All right, next up, I've got Dr. Peter Kapsner. Um, I'm going to surprise him with a story about flying cars. That's up next here on Morning for Carmen. Dr. Peter Kapsner, you know, who was the show host for a couple of weeks. So, you know him really, really well. I mean, yeah. So, Peter, guess what I learned about yesterday. Carmen, I'm very excited about this story. (laughs) Tell me more. The air car, which has been developed by Klein Vision on Monday. Now, here's here's the part that you're immediately going to say, well, now, wait a second. It flew, but it flew between two international airports. Well, Yes, but it flew at 8,000 feet in the air, and it started off looking like a car, and it ended up looking like a car. It started driving on surface streets, and it ended up driving on surface streets. But yes, because it is currently regarded as an airplane, it took off and landed at airports because we don't yet allow flying cars to take off and land from surface streets. But these guys are saying that by the, I mean, this is crazy, end of the decade— decade it's it's this is like yeah by the end of the decade these might be widely available (laughs) that is remarkable i did not see see this story i i can say a couple things for sure one is the way i drive on i want one nobody's going to want to share the airspace with me i mean there's there's (laughs) no chance but now i'm back to back to the future right michael j fox in that final seed where they say that we don't need roads and and that as a kid, I mean, I could have watched that end scene a thousand times at the idea <laughs> that I could have a DeLorean that would head into airspace. I can't even imagine mm-hmm. a better situation other than the, the people around me trying to share that airspace. So the Air Car Prototype 1 has a 160-horsepower BMW engine. It has a fixed propeller. It totally looks futuristic. You will not be able to pack much, much luggage in the one that I saw Um, But Hyundai's European operations uh, chief executive said he believes flying cars will become a reality by the end of the decade. There you go. Truly. I know. Sometimes I just feel like I have to lead off with you with something a little bit different. But (laughs) our listeners. my attention. I know. Our listeners want us to be taking up uh, this uh, conversation, which you and I had already teed up today. Um, Lori wants to know. Hey, are you going to ask Peter about the British influencer who decided he was going to be a binary Korean? So, yes, in fact, that is a conversation that you and I are teed up to have. Who is Ali London and what's going on? Yeah, again, a social influencer, and you just uh, you just uh, named it in terms of being non-binary. But the real key to this story is uh, Ali decided that to to become Korean, that identified as Korean, and so went through a whole ton of um, plastic surgery in order to change. Can we just say his face for right now? I know that the the pronoun they or them 
is being used in this in this situation. But um, but Ali changed uh, completely around uh, his the the ethnic look of his face, I suppose, because he believed inside from the inside out that he truly was Korean, and is getting I don't know I guess panned I suppose on social media in a lot of ways for this because seen as taking the idea of transgenderism or gender dysphoria and applying it to an entirely different category um, seems like it's mocking those people that uh, that believe they have a true dysphoria. But what's interesting about this, Carmen, and I'd love your thoughts on this as well, is in kind of thinking through the story, is that we are trusting, as, as we, in these last three to five years with the, with the transgender movement and people claiming that they are a boy trapped in a girl's body or a girl trapped in a boy's body, and so thus, we should take some pretty um, invasive kinds of procedures that uh, may change their physical appearance in a lot of ways to sort of match their gender. And, and the reason why we do that is it's based entirely on their claim. It's not based on any way to scientifically verify this claim. They are, they are saying, I feel this way. I really, th this is my truth, right? This is sort of the language that we're using in the next generation right now as I'm trying to live out my truth. And my truth is that I'm a boy trapped in a girl's body or a girl trapped in a boy's body. So we're going to do these um, medical procedures to change all of that, that in some ways are irreversible, if not at the very least, make a, a pretty uh, indelible mark on a person. And again, the, the reason for doing it is trusting their judgment. And so if somebody's now going to come out and say, I am absolutely Korean from the inside out, as Ollie is doing, and wants to try to change themselves in order to do that, it's based on the same claim. So where, where does this stop if we keep moving in this direction as people are saying, I want to live out my truth? I, um, it's so troubling. And it the... is so troubling the willingness of people in the medical community to um to participate in this delusion and to use medical technology and surgery and um to change the physical uh appearance of people um so that their exterior reality um, can match what they want to see. I mean, I just, you know, I guess I go back to, and I know that this argument's been, you know, lifted up before, but, you know, if a if a young person is anorexic and sees themselves as fat, even though they are skeletal thin, are right. we going to participate in that delusion or are we going to seek to help them understand that the way they see their body is not, real like the the way they see themselves is not reality that in reality they are skeletally thin and and so I, when we have i'm just saying when we have these conversations about gender dysphoria people are are they're having delusions and we are as a culture being asked to participate in that yeah, I, I think that example is spot on uh, that you just used there, Carmen. And and I think really what's at stake here is the shift from some from a truth that exists independent of you and me and the listeners and, and even this young person, Ollie. There is a truth about a way of life that is good and right and peaceful and, and brings rest to the soul that exists outside of ourselves. And so 
it's our job as believers, as the created, to turn towards the creator, the one who has created these ways of life, and and ask for the help, um, ask for the wisdom, ask uh, for assistance in, in, in helping bend the arc of our lives towards that truth, because we trust in a very good God that even if we don't always understand what why God maybe set things up the way God did, we trust and bend the arc of our life towards that, because that's where we believe we're going to find true, uh, true peace. This is the flip of that. We believe that if I can, I, I can find true peace inside of myself, my truth, and that word delusion is not too strong. It certainly is a scriptural idea that there's a great fog, that there is this present darkness, that we can't see the way forward. And so this, this incredible shift from truth outside of us to I will find my truth within me uh, is really what is the foundation of all of this havoc right now. All right, I'm going to encourage listeners to watch a, a documentary on YouTube. It's called Transmission, two words, Transmission. Um, and in a future conversation, we will get somebody on from the Center for Bioethics and Culture to talk about that documentary. But I think that it is uh, a good next step in our um, understanding of these particular issues. All right, Dr. Peter Kapser and I are going to take a very brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the question of American patriotism and its place in worship services as we enter into Fourth of July weekend. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. It's like the All right, continuing my conversation with Dr. Peter Kapsner, we're going to turn our attention to uh, a conversation that you might have over the weekend, and that would be a conversation about American patriotism and whether or not it has a place in worship services on things like, well, Fourth of July weekend. So what are the questions that are being asked, Peter? Yeah, well, that's, you know, how far do we go with being grateful for our country, right? It does it, do we go all the way to the place where somehow it's almost in alignment um, with our citizenship in heaven? I know that Christians have always had to wrestle down the idea that our true home, our true citizenship is in heaven as per the scriptures, as per what Paul writes, and, and that we're strangers in a strange land. So we can't actually claim homeland here in the way the earth is. And yet, at the same time, we can be terribly grateful for our country and, uh, and and just for the opportunities that we have for, uh, even though I know things are very tumultuous in our country right now on so many different levels, and yet for anyone who might travel globally, it still is an amazing, amazing place to live on so many different levels. But I think, I think we probably need to keep um, our gratefulness for America in the same kind of bucket or the same kind of category is our gratefulness for other things in life, our gratefulness for our family, our gratefulness for for good things that have happened in our life, but to somehow um, have our uh, patriotism in alignment with our allegiance to God's kingdom. Uh, the scriptures are very clear uh, that we, while we participate in this world, our, our only true allegiance is to the kingdom of God. And I think that when we bring a special sort of category of gratefulness for our country that almost makes it uh, uh, the same as the kingdom of God in our worship services, I think it's pretty easy to get confused by that. And again, you've heard me say it on air a bunch of different times. I'm somebody who had the the wonderful privilege to stand on the beaches of Normandy, and I just wept over the service. I wept over how much people have given and sacrificed in order to have the space that we have. And yet, uh, again, theologically and biblically, we can only serve one master. And, and so there is, I do have a pause in my spirit about the idea of elevating our gratefulness for our country ahead of other forms of gratefulness that we should have. 
um, so that it's almost side by side with our life in the kingdom uh, as we go to celebrate our country's birth here this weekend. So, I mean, you and I both know the pushback that we're going to get um, when we say things like our citizenship is first and foremost in heaven. Um, we are people of a king and a kingdom that's not of this world. Um, here we are sojourners um, because there are folks who whose allegiance is very strongly tied to the United States of America. And it is hard for some people to see the difference between um, singing the national anthem as if it's a worship hymn and um, raising their hands in devotion to the flag in ways that, frankly, I would only raise my hands in devotion to the cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, and so I want to be um, I want to be helpful and I want to be careful and I want to sort of have an expansive conversation without anybody listening, hearing us as, uh, you know, condemning the way that they have a deep affection for the flag and for the country. And I think that's the challenge we're facing because people's feelings are so much in the forefront of these conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed, Carmen. I mean, again, I'm somebody who is effectively troubled when I see some of our buddy and Olympic athletes turn away from the flag and all of that, like that just, absolutely that, that, that twists my stomach in the wrong kind of way. And then uh, on the flip side of it, and, and we'll talk about this in my class as we talk about some of these topics in my ethics class. And um, from the from the perspective of history, if you're a fair-minded person about history, there have been so many amazing places that have risen and fallen over all of these um, generations on Earth. And, and you can look back to Babylon or Greece or Rome and all of these empires. None of them thought that they would ever not be the, the dominant world power, and yet history is littered with countries that have risen and fallen. And that is because the scriptures talk about that kingdoms will rise and fall. That is what happens. There is only one kingdom that remains. So um, while we are grateful for our country, while we participate strongly and fight for and all of those things, there is, I think, the tension we can all ask ourselves heading into this weekend. Uh, and this is a question I ask in my class, and it's, it's a silly question, but it helps highlight the point, is that if we woke up tomorrow morning and for some reason, unbeknownst to us, the Canadians had mustered along the, the border and had, had, had taken over America when we woke up the next morning and now there was a Canadian flag, what would change in our lives and what would be the same in our lives? And when you ask that same question, what, what it reveals, you say, you know what? I am still a follower of Jesus. I am still a part of an eternal kingdom. And that doesn't change regardless of national or global borders. And as we work our way around the world even, um, and as somebody who has had the opportunity to travel a bit, I find myself now I am a follower of Jesus living in Scotland, or I'm a follower of Jesus who's had a, an opportunity to be in France, or a follower of Jesus who worked with missionaries down in Panama. And, and you, you realize that that really is our citizenship. And you can hold both. You can hold both the gratefulness for our country in authentic and unfettered ways while recognizing that at the end of the day, there really is only one kingdom that will remain. Amen. Yeah, well said. I appreciate it. All right. Um, thank you. Thank you, Peter. Blessed, uh, yeah, blessed I, weekend. Yeah. I'm I'm going to look. I, I You know what I never do, Carmen? I never read the car manual when I get a car. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going to read through it from cover to cover this morning because I, <laughs> I believe somewhere in the appendices there's something about a flying car button that I missed. And, and no. so I'm going to be very hopeful I get a flying DeLorean this weekend. Not yet. Not yet. The, not yet. The, unless you're going to get an air car, but it's not available yet. All right. Uh, And it is a car, not an airplane. 
That seems to be the big debate. Is it an airplane that has like car-like or is it a car that's like an airplane? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. Flying cars. Dr. Peter Kapsner, thanks, man. Love it, too. Yeah, thanks, We'll be right back. Talk to you soon. See ya. So the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference is fast approaching. It is going to be held both in person and virtually on July 16 and 17 um, at the University of Northwestern St. Paul and online. One of the people who will be offering a workshop is um, new to the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference, but she's not new to us here on Mornings with Carmen. Her name is Trillia Newbell. We have talked with her on several occasions um, about books that she has written. She now works for Moody Publishers, and she's going to join us next, not only to talk about her latest books, but also give us a little bit of a foretaste of what she's going to be talking about uh, at the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. So this ought to be fun. Truly, truly a new bell up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Anxiety is a meteor shower of what ifs. The sky is falling and it's falling disproportionately on you. Anxiety ain't fun. This is Max Locato. One would think that Christians would be exempt from anxiety, but we're not. It's enough to make us wonder if the Apostle Paul was out of touch with reality when he wrote in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Is that what he meant? Not exactly. He wrote the phrase in the present active tense, implying an ongoing state, as if to say, don't let anything in life leave you perpetually breathless and in angst. Yes, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. Could you use some calm? Of course you could. We all could. We all could use a word of comfort, and God is ready to give it. This is Max Locato. One of the shiny ones joins me now. Her name is Trillia Newbell. I love her. I am completely unashamed and unabashed to say so in public, everywhere, anytime. She radiates the spirit and the energy of Jesus everywhere, all the time. And if you don't know her yet, you need to, because your life will be immensely improved. All right, Trillia, welcome, welcome, welcome back, my friend. Hello, hello. Thank you. You are incredibly kind and just really I, such uh, an oh encouragement. Oh, no. I just, I'm, I'm a speaker of truth, and I, I say what I see. So um, thank you. All right. I am thrilled that you're going to be uh, one of the workshop presenters at the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. If you're listening right now and you don't know about it, go to NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. All right. Tell us about the workshop you're going to be doing, because um, I think that you are getting away with something very clever. Yeah, so I'm actually going to be talking about getting started because so many people ask, how do I start writing? Where do I start? I'm really excited about it. So we're going to be talking about getting started in writing and also a Q&A because with this particular topic especially, I want to open it up for people to ask the questions that they are most interested in. And so I'm thrilled and excited. I know. So I really thought that the clever part was the Q&A, because I think that when you're doing a workshop, right, you always 
you want to construct it around the needs of those who are there, but you don't actually know who they are until they arrive. And so um, I just I thought it was so clever and so great. I do um, I do want to know a little bit about this learning to be self forgetful because I I like that idea. Can you give us a little tease on that part? Yeah. So that is actually from Tim Keller. I. Well, and then Tim Keller, I believe he got it from C.S. Lewis, maybe. But um, so the freedom of self-forgetfulness is what I have read and enjoyed from Tim Keller. And it's a book. And one of the things that I I really want to stress, mostly when people are speaking, especially, is that we want to forget about ourselves and to think about um, the audience, the people that we're serving and and so that's what the freedom of self-forgetfulness is. And Tim says something like it's not less of ourselves, it's that we think of ourselves less, which mm. I, I think that's important in ministry. If we're always focused on ourselves, well, one, we're not going to focus on glorifying the Lord, which is ultimately the goal. But also, we're not going to serve people effectively. And we will constantly be evaluating ourselves and ripping ourselves apart. But God gives us and equips us um, to share his good news to a broken world. And so that is... Um, that is really the 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 heart behind any kind of self forgetfulness, and we will probably touch on that. But really, the the it's it's about just getting started in general. Yeah. So I think that the practical tips um, thing is just always awesome. So thank you in advance for that. Um, I felt like the uh, the conversation about okay, thinking less of ourselves. Um, not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less is a good, like, that's a good conversation for us in the culture today where we're trying to weigh, we're trying to weigh out, all right, how do I, um, you know, acknowledge the differences, um, acknowledge my uniqueness, live in this identity-obsessed culture, um, but do so in a way that reflects Christ, honors uh, honors my created nature and your created nature and the created nature of everybody else as image bearers, like on and on and on. So maybe this is a segue into a conversation about creative God, colorful us. Tell us about your latest children's book. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I am so grateful. Um, it is a chapter book for ages eight to 13, and we dive deep into really the scriptures. Um, we're talking about uh, Genesis 1, the Imago Dei, we're looking at sin, the the sin of partiality and how we can be show favorites, right? Um, and then we're looking at w- what God has called us to, how God has called us to love um, people who are different than us and who struggle different than us and who look different than us. And and then what does it look like to, to do these things in both of our, our school settings, because this is written to kids, Um or in our families, or in our, and mostly also in our churches. And so, so it is a real, it's a chapter book, but it's, it, I'm, I tried really hard to write to the kids level. In other words, I'm, I don't speak down to them. I challenge them to really read and dive into the word and to uh, put these 
text into action because they can. And and so I'm I'm really excited about Creative God Colorful Us and how the Lord might use that um, chapter book to help kids understand God's beautiful design and how to engage the word and to love each other. So I think one of the questions that comes up from time to time in my family is, okay, we're all individually, uniquely created um, in the image of God. Um, So we are all the same in that we are all created in the image of God, and yet we are all absolutely unique, um, and we're very different from one another. And both of those things are equally true and good at the same time. And we are, as Christians, um, recognizing that we're not perfect. In fact, we're flawed, we're sinful. And because the Holy Spirit is alive within us, we are being actively conformed to the image of Christ, which means we're all becoming more like him And somehow in the midst of that, we don't lose our distinctiveness as individuals. Like, that's all really complex and all true at the same time. Yes. And for some reason, we don't like, we we don't like to dive deep into our differences and enjoy it. They are always at war with each other. And we pit these very, very, you simple things like our skin color against each other. So our sin nature in this aspect, when we're thinking about our uh, people who are different, gosh, it so often takes over. And we don't allow those differences to, um, to, to better each other, to in, in order that we can enjoy and engage one another well. So, so it is, it's, it's, It's complex, but it's also rather simple. God created us in the image of God to reflect him. Everyone is created equally, and yet we're different. And we're different in our um, ethnicities, in the way we think, our giftings. And so it's it's complex insofar as God um, created us and and he intricately uh, made us and thought of us and but yet it's so simple. But what makes it complex really is our sin and that we um, divide over dumb things, over things that just should not be. And so so I'm just, um, it's interesting to me as I have been in this conversation for so long and I've experienced it as an African-American woman, just experienced how our confusion over differences can divide us and hurt us and real specifically hurt me. It's, um, I've actually seen how uncomplicated it is, but yet we are the ones who complicate it. And so it's, it's it's an interesting thing for me as someone who has not just only lived experience, but studied studied this theologically, to watch us continue to divide over really dumb things. Well, I appreciate that Christ is the one that unites us and um, appreciate the way that you uh, write about our individual uniqueness and yet our, um, the way that we all find ourselves um, in him. So Trillia Newbell and I are going to take a very brief break. We're going to come back and talk about another new book she has written. This one is uh, for 
you know, a more mature audience. A Great Cloud of Witnesses. It's a study of those who lived by faith. It's a study of Hebrews 11. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with Trillia Newbell. She is, among other things, going to serve on the faculty at the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference in just a couple of weeks. You can check that out at NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. You can still join us in person um, or online. And I say us because, yes, I will be there too. But, you know, Trillia is far more <laughs> famous. So, <sighs> yeah. All right. So it's good. It's I'm good. Famous. Oh, yeah. You are in my mind and in my life. All right. So let's talk about um, this book, a, Cloud, a Great Cloud of Witnesses. It's a study of those who lived by faith. It's a look at Hebrews chapter 11. Um, let's start with this, Trillia. What What does it mean to live by faith? Oh, well, I mean, I, I've heard it summed up. It's believing what God says in his word and living accordingly. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it really is to trust our, entrust our lives to the Lord, to believe what he says to be true, and then to live according to those promises, according to what we know in his word. And that is living by faith because so much of what we're living in faith is not by sight, right? And so we are entrusting ourselves to what we have read in the scriptures and have believed to be true and to have are walking out um, what we've what we've read and proclaimed. Yeah. So I think that as a Christian, um, I am living by faith when I am trusting completely in the faithfulness of God, um, not only to be who he is, which obviously he can't help be, but who he is, but to deliver on the promises that he has made. And I can live in total and utter confidence in the midst of a very chaotic world or even in the midst of troubling circumstances because I know that secret of being content, right? I know that seems very much the Paul way of um, of faith is that secret of being content in the midst of all kinds of circumstances because I can, in the midst of that, utterly rely on the faithfulness of God. He's going to be faithful to who he is and what he has promised to do. Absolutely. And and that's what Hebrews 11 focuses on. Now, faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. So it is a confidence in the Lord, confidence in the promises that's hoped for, confidence and assurance in what we do not see. Um, as we wait for the Lord. Um, however, if you study Hebrews 11 and study all of those who've gone before us, what you quickly see is that their faith faltered, that they did not have perfect faith, that they actually didn't have perfect confidence, that sometimes they tested the Lord, they questioned, but yet they ended up walking and trusting and believing and and finishing. But it is really comforting when we study those people who who went before us and to see um some of their their lives that look very much like ours imperfect and imperfect faith um because but they relied on the perfect lord and um and all of his promises and so that to me i think 
has been so inspiring and encouraging as I've studied Hebrews 11 is that we can tr entrust ourselves to the perfect God and ask him to help us endure and to walk at faithful even when we falter, even when we fall, and to turn to him um, and rely on him and set and fix our eyes on Jesus. The, the the perfect one. So that to me has been so encouraging um, to study. So um, it, it's excellent. Um, thank you for it. it. It's a contribution to not only the larger conversation about, you know, how do I live by faith, but it's a great devotional um, book. And I I appreciate that approach as well. The, the deep examination of the lives of uh, of the great cloud of witnesses in Hebrew 11. Trillia, um, one of the things that really intrigues me about you is the, um, you're, there's no way to say, okay, to pigeonhole you as an author, because you write children's books, you now write chapter books for older children, you write devotional books, you write um, theological treatises, you uh, write books that uh, force us into conversations that we might uh, like to avoid. You write books that are compilations of lots of people giving input on a topic. Like, there's no way to say, oh, well, this is what Trillian Newbell, well, it's always about the same thing, right? Because it's always about glorifying God and edifying God's people. Like, that seems to be your wheelhouse. But it's not, um, I can't have the expectation that, oh, I'm just going to go and the next book that Trillia is going to write is going to be a devotional, because that's not like how you roll. Talk with us about that approach to being an author, because that's pretty unique. Yeah. So on my website, my little tagline is where faith and life collide. And so my approach is discipleship. I'm thinking, what is it that, is there a hole? Is there somewhere where I have experienced or have some sort of knowledge that I can fill? So there, there, that broadens <laughs> what I'm going to write about and, and that this genre. So you were talking about different genres from kids books to Bible studies, um, to trade books for adults. And so because I'm learning so much in God's word, I don't know that I will ever exhaust having topics or things to write about. And um, people to write too. However, there are topics that I won't touch because I do stay in kind of my discipleship wheelhouse. And there are areas where I'm not an expert. So I'm not going to touch on various topics that I know they're going to be better theologians or better um, thinkers to write on. But when you're writing on the scriptures and you're thinking, and that's your base, oh gosh, there's I mean, the sky's the limit. So I am really grateful to think through discipleship and how I can contribute as I go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that God has commanded. So one of my favorite things that um, that you have written is your contribution to um, the identity theft book, Reclaiming the Truth of Who We Are in Christ. I thought that um, I thought that book was excellent. And uh, and I loved your contribution to it. So I don't think you and I have talked about that in the past. So I just wanted to, to say that as well. All right, we have to leave it right there. I can't wait to see you and talk to you again. Um, thank you in advance for the contribution you're going to make at the Northwestern Christian Writers Conference. For those of you listening who want to join us there, 
Uh, check it out at NorthwesternChristianWritersConference.com. You can attend either in person or um, or online. It's going to be a great time. Trillia, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. We'll be right back. All righty, as we uh, enter into this extended holiday weekend, let me encourage you to make it holy, which which means we're going to set it apart as unto the Lord. So as we are thinking about freedom, let us be thinking about our freedom in Christ. And as we are thinking about independence, let's be thinking about our dependence upon God. Uh, let's recognize God's sovereignty in our life. Uh, and, let's, and let's recognize opportunities to glorify God. Um, even as we are, you know, waving old glory, let's just be mindful of those uh, those realities as uh, as a free people, and let's celebrate the freedom of religion and the freedom of expression that we enjoy here in these United States of America. Have a great weekend, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.